have your Bible, would you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5? And you'll remember that uh, three weeks ago, our text was verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. One verse. That was actually two weeks ago. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, last week, our text was, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And down at the end, verse 33, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Well, our text for today picks up in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However... Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So far the reading of God's Word. I mentioned last week that I have a couple copies that I purchased. Uh, Instead of $24.95, they're available for $10 uh, at the book table downstairs, written, just released by Paul Tripp. What did you expect? It's a book about marriage. What did you expect? Redeeming the realities of marriage. And it's a very insightful, insightful book, so um, we'll make sure we have these downstairs. Three of them are left from last week's uh, fire sale, and we, I invite you to pick them up. What did you expect? Well, I want to tell you a, a story of a man who did not get what he expected. It's a story, some of you may know, of a man named Robertson McQuilkin and his wife Muriel. Robertson McQuilkin was a famous New Testament scholar, the president of a very important seminary, and the leader of a movement that had raised $10 million to train Christian leaders all over the world. His wife, Muriel, was an accomplished painter, and she had a daily radio broadcast that was just moving into syndication. And uh, one night at dinner, Muriel told the same story three times. A couple of days later, she called the whole family to come in and sit down for dinner. She sat down with them. She didn't make dinner. There was something wrong. They went and saw the doctor, and as you can imagine, it was the onset of Alzheimer's disease. She began to become agitated fearful, 
anxious, confused, and she would pace, and she would walk around the house and around the community in which she lived. It was a safe community, but she would get out of the house, and then she would get lost, and one day they found her pacing so frantically her feet were bleeding. The board of trustees said, Robertson, your ministry is so important, but your wife is important. We will hire a full-time aide to be with her. But it didn't help. She was just unhappy, frustrated, anxious, almost uh, terrified. The only time she was at peace was when he was with her. And so, just as this $10 million leadership training program was about to take off, just as he was about to publish another commentary, he knew what God was calling him to do, and that was to resign his ministry and be with his wife. The board of trustees says, we need you. You know, this is so important. People in the church said, we need you. Your work is so essential. But he said, for 40 years, this woman stood by me. And this is the least I can do for her. This story spread across uh, American Christianity a few years ago. And Robertson McQuilkin became this great example of sacrificial love, of nurturing love, of constant love. Now, not every husband at North Shore Community Church is going to have to do what Robertson McQuilkin did. For those of you young men who are not yet married, you may or may not have to do what Robertson McQuilkin did. But I think you would agree that that Christian man became an extraordinary example to us, an echo of the love that Jesus Christ has for his church, what Paul calls a great mystery. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And McQuilkin, as people said, you seem to look like Christ in his love for the church. He said, I was startled. Husbands and wives have been renewing their marriage vows. Pastors tell this story to their congregations. It's a surprise to me until a distinguished oncologist who lives constantly with dying people told me this. Here's what he said. Listen carefully. He said, almost all women stand by their men. Very few men stand by their women in our world. Very interesting. He said, people are aware of this contemporary tragedy, and maybe they were helped by the simple choice that I considered my only option. What did people see? What did they see in him? They saw the mystery of the love that Jesus Christ has for you, and for you, and for us. And if you want to learn how to get ready for marriage, young men, young women, If you want to learn how to relate in a marriage, where do you turn? Where's the instruction? Where's the power? We're told here, it's Jesus Christ. Learn from Jesus Christ. Last week, we saw that Jesus Christ is the example of voluntary submission, voluntary cooperation. If you have to voluntarily 
cooperate with someone else, how can you learn to do that? The answer is study Jesus. God's calling you to submit to someone. Study Jesus and you'll learn how to do it. Now today in our text, if you want to learn how to be a loving leader in your family, if you want to be prepared to be a husband one day, where do you turn? He tells us the mystery. Study Jesus. Now this is true for all of us, not just husbands. He says to all Christians, a new commandment I give you, love one another, keep your eye on the ball, like Bill Melcher said, love one another. But but this command is applied specifically to husbands. And we want the men in our church to be obedient to this, to be committed to this, to know the love of Jesus, that that he... that his love is going to go right through you to your wife. So how do you love like Jesus? Well, three words. Sacrificially, constructively, and constantly. Your love must be sacrificial. Your love must build her up. And your love must be constant. That's what this text teaches us today. Now, that, of course, is not just for husbands. Again, you teenage boys here in the church, if you want to get ready to win the heart of a woman, you better pay attention today and you better learn from this. Because this is the way that you do it. For the Son of Man, Jesus said, do you know this verse in Mark 10? For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In another extraordinary passage, in John 10, 18, Jesus says, I lay down my life and I do it willingly. Nobody twisted his arm. Did anybody twist Jesus Christ's arm to die for you? He said, I lay down my life and I do it willingly. That's shocking, isn't it? It's extraordinary. Do you understand how Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for you, men and women? He laid down his life, and he did it willingly. Nobody made him do it. And he went to the cross. And he not only loved us sacrificially, but the Bible says he was the sacrifice. He offered up the sacrifice. And guess who the sacrifice was that had to be killed and receive the wrath of God in our place? He himself was the sacrifice. He laid down his life for you. Do you appreciate that? Is that a trivial matter to you? I hope it's not trivial to you to remember that Jesus laid down his life for you and bled and died for your sins and for my sins. This is the greatness. This is the excellence of Jesus Christ. And now, the Bible says, we imitate him. Now, you can't die on the cross for my sins, but you can lay down your life for another person And the New Testament is is filled with examples that say, with commands that say to us, imitate Jesus, lay down your life like Jesus. And he specifically applies this to husbands in our text. Now, this is not easy for me. This is not easy for me to do. Why? Because I prefer to be served than to serve. Let's see, I get to choose what? I get to choose be served or serve in my flesh. 
What do you think I prefer in my sinful? I prefer to be served. And Jesus says, no. No, husband, this is different. It's different. Because I sacrificed for you, now you sacrifice for your wife. It says, he loved us and gave himself up. You see that in the text? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. That's sacrifice. Now, when I had a little baby, and it's three in the morning, and the baby's crying, it was too often convenient for me to pretend that I didn't hear it crying. Baby has a smelly diaper. It's too often convenient for me to not notice. It's too easy for me to forget to ask, which restaurant would you like to go to? But love is sensitive to the other person. Love wants to meet their needs. And it's not just going off to war and die for your country and die for your family. Yeah, I think there are men who are willing to die for their wives. But are you willing to live for your wife? The real test is in the little things, men. In the little things. Every day I am faced with choices in my home. And so are you. Simple acts of service. You know, Nina's away right now. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we have three lights in the, in the kitchen ceiling. One of them burned out. Two weeks ago, Nina said, John, the light's burned out in the ceiling. Would you please change it? Would you pray that before she gets back from the retreat this afternoon, finally that light will get changed? What, I didn't have time to change the light bulb? To get the ladder from the garage and set it up and go downstairs and get the light and change. I didn't have time, but I did have time to watch the Phillies game. You know? I did have time to, to exercise. I did have time to, to make a pastoral visit to somebody else. But did I have time to change the light bulb that Nina asked me to change? I did. But I haven't served her, as she specifically asked. You know, here's a little lesson. Here's a quick application. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Men, what I suggest is that if your wife asks you to help her with something, that you do it right away. Do it right away. Now, we teach our children in this church, slow obedience is no obedience. And what I mean by that is, I mean, you want to teach your children not to just put it all off, just put it off. You know, yeah, Dad, I'll get around to it. Because you might become like John Yenchko and never get around to it, you see. He loved us and gave himself up for us. Sacrificial love. We've been blessed by such an example in Lou Farrow over these past months. Lou, who gets up at four in the morning every day and goes to work and then rushes over to the hospital before he even has a chance to take a shower. And he attended to Anne. And he would, when she was able to eat, he would feed her, and he would wipe her clean and make sure she was comfortable. And then he would go home in the afternoon and take a shower and do the laundry or what needed to be done, and he'd be right back for the evening uh, dinner. What a picture for us, Lou, of that sacrificial love of Jesus serving another Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus said, I lay down my life and I do it willingly. Lou has done it willingly. 
never sensed for a moment that you begrudged that you needed to serve your wife. Be like Jesus. He sacrificed for you. Love your wife sacrificially. Then, men, boys, pay attention. Then you have to learn how to love your wife in a way that builds her up. Because it says it should be constructive to make her holy and cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. And then he goes on to say that you will nourish her and cherish her or you will feed her and care for her. What does this mean? This means that just as Jesus Christ wants you to live an abundant life, and he wants to nurture nurture you and nourish you and help you grow so, brothers, you want to help your wife grow and mature and develop and be as splendid as she can be, as God has for her to be, to build her up. Now, this is not just for husbands. If you think I'm only talking to husbands, just a few weeks ago in Ephesians 4.29, we read, let no one, we studied this together, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. The, what are that? Words that tear down. Right? Let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but rather speak words that build up, that encourage, that build each other up. Okay, so that's true for everybody, but now Paul specifically applies it to husbands. And he says, husband, you're supposed to love her in a way that literally makes her splendid. What a beautiful picture that is. Well, how do, you, how do you love your wife in a way that makes her splendid? I'll tell you how you do that. You make her, her spiritual life a priority. Men, make your wife's spiritual life a priority. Wash her with the water of the word, it says. What does that mean? You're supposed to preach at your wife? If I asked how many women here really want their husbands to start preaching at them every day, I don't think we'd get... But what he is saying is create for her, allow for her an environment where you bring the Word of God and you see that she's fed on the Word of the Lord so that her soul is nourished. Make her life, her spiritual life, a priority. And then you will cherish her with generous praise. Dennis Rainey talks a lot about this in his books, the tremendous power of praise from a husband to a wife. Now, I'm not talking about phony flattery here. But brothers, if you're going to cherish your wife, then you need to speak words that build her up, that encourage her. You say, I appreciate you because you fill in the blank. I admire you for your thank you for. Gentlemen, these words need to be spoken. It's tremendous power in this kind of praise. Last week, last week we wrote a hard message on the wives, saying that wives must respect their husbands. And we talked about the fact that women like to use words, the power of words, to shame their husbands. It's powerful tendency in women. If men use their physical strength or their financial advantage, somehow women use their words to shame their husbands. And we said that is in defiance of God. But 
right here, God says, men, cherish your wives. That means you will speak words that make them splendid, that build them up, that encourage their souls. I have seen many marriages break down. And when their marriages break down, almost always this aspect is absent. They have stopped building each other up. And they have become quite skilled at tearing each other down. And I have seen marriages healed and broken marriages made new as they learn to speak words that respect and encourage and build each other up. Two people willing to repent of their sins and willing to build the other person up with Christ as the organizing center of their marriage. And I've seen God do amazing things. Men, would your wife say, I am a better person and I'm a better Christian because I'm married to you. That should be your goal. Your love should be sacrificial. Your love should be constructive and should build her up. And then, like Jesus, your love must be constant. Constant, because it says this in verse 28. I love this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. You love as much as you love your own bodies. How many times a day, or how many days out of the week, men, do you feed your own body? Oh, all of the day, every day unless you're fasting and praying for a little bit. Men, we feed ourselves every day. Just in the morning, just feed once in the morning. We feed ourselves all through the day. All through the day. Every day, all through the day. Just as he feeds his own body, so he must love his wife. What is that? That is, he must be constant. He must be continuous in his love for his wife. Do you like those passages in the Psalms? I love those passages that say the Lord will never slumber or sleep. He who watches over Israel will never slumber or sleep. What does that tell you about God? What does it tell you about Jesus Christ? The one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That he is constant in his love for his wife. He's faithful when we are faithless. And a husband's wife should be like that. Now, it's a, this is applied to everybody. If you're a Christian, Hebrews 10.25 says, encourage each other every day. So we all need to encourage each other daily, daily, daily. It's not something you just, it's a ride you go on and then you get off. But here's why I think the marriage emphasizes, the, the Bible emphasizes the importance of constancy in marital love. And that's because there really, there really is no such thing as a just a big marital blowout. Marriage is great, marriage is great, marriage is great, marriage is great, and then boom, marriage is over. No. It's really a lot of small leaks on the way, like a tire that has a small puncture in it, and the air slowly goes out. 
and uh, becomes flat without the driver noticing. And even if one of the spouses checks with an air pressure gauge, nobody does anything to build the pressure back up again. You see, that's the way marriages end. We, we, you, know, you, you just see the spectacular failures in the news, but I think if we ask uh, some of these athletes that we've been seeing in the news, what's their greatest regret today? They would not just say, oh, I got caught. What they would say is, I developed a pattern of infidelity. And there's nobody, myself included, that is free from that danger. Little betrayals, little secret betrayals along the way. That's the air leaking out of the tire. And so, your love, he says, must be constant. As much as you feed yourself. Do men love their own bodies? Men, do we love our own bodies? You know you do. You feed it, you groom it, you take care of it, you weigh yourself, you dress it, you wash yourself. That's how much, that's how constant you should be in your love for your wife. Feed her. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to give her food, but in in India, in Africa, in many third world developing nations, you know, the men eat the food and they don't feed their wives. I mean, I think there is a literal responsibility for men to feed their wives. That means you should provide for her. And 1 Timothy says, he who does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel. Okay? You call yourself a Christian and you won't provide for your wife? That's a problem. Let's talk. But beyond that is the call to feed her spiritually, to nurture her, to see that she knows that regular love and to pray for her to pray for her. I know people throw the statistic at me all the time. You know, Christians get divorced just as much as non-Christians. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure that that is statistically true, but I know this, that Christian couples who pray together daily and regularly, that is, they, they pray together every day, have a divorce rate of under 1% under 1%. I mean, it can still happen. Because there is a constancy in praising God, in confessing your sins, in thanking God for your spouse, for your family, for your blessings, in just bringing the problems that you have together in prayer to Him every day that pumps up the tire. (laughs) Pumps back up the tire because there's a lot that's letting the air out. I want to ask the single women here a question. And you ask your daughters this question. What are you looking for in a husband? What's important to you? Mary Rich, right? He's got to be a hunk, right? It's all about the car that he drives, right? Wrong. What are you looking for in a husband? 
When's the last time you studied this in elementary school or in junior high or in senior high? How to be a wife, how to be a husband. How many hours uh, did you have in preparation in college for how to be a husband or a wife? Listen, this is really important. If you don't, you just pick up on the chewing gum, what I call the chewing gum theory of marriage. What's that? When the sweetness is gone, you throw it out. See, and that's the myth. That's the great myth of our day. You have to know, men, you have to love your wife as you love yourself, and you don't stop loving yourself. You know, he says, well, I can't love her because she doesn't love me. Oh, really? Oh, really? What if Jesus was that way? What if Jesus says, I can't love, put your name, put your name in the blank there. If Jesus says, I can't love them because they don't love me the way I want to be loved. He will never do that to you. So your love is constant. Oh, the sweetness of Christ. Would, would we agree today to let the sweetness of Jesus Christ rule in our homes, in our marriages? If you're not walking with Jesus Christ, this is a great day to start walking with Jesus Christ, to letting his love fill your heart, letting him prepare you to be the man you want to be, the woman you want to be. Could you do that? In closing, I would like to play a 90-second little speech from Robertson McQuilkin on the day he stood in front of the entire seminary community and announced his resignation. Now, he's he's older now, and he was older, and it was very emotional for him. But just quiet your heart and listen, listen to what he had to say to the community that day.
What I want for you today is to be able to echo what he said. It's not that I have to. It's that I get to. So we're going to close with a prayer, a song, a prayer, asking the Lord to give us that kind of servant heart. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. And we're going to, we're going to sing two songs. We're going to sing two songs. And um, this first one is just a prayer that God would give us a servant heart and lift up those uh, around us who need our help.